Let's start tonight by reading in our word together. Let's go to 1 John. We'll be looking in the book of 1 John chapter 4. You can start at Revelations and go backwards and probably beat everybody there, right? So we'll be looking at 1 John chapter 4 and read this together. Man, this is one of my favorite passages to read. It's my one of my favorite passages to look at. I mean, I've preached whole uh, sermons on this passage right here tonight. We're just going to start here as an introduction. But I'd like us to read it together to see exactly what God says about love. Amen? Let's hear exactly what God says about love in 1 John chapter 4. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who has been born of God and knows God loves. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. In verse 9 it says, This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we may live through Him. This is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Amen? Man, we learn so much about God and so much about love through this passage right here. I mean, the one of the very first things I learned right here, it says, for love comes from God. That means this, if love comes from God, then man did not come up with love, right? It says that love originated with God. So he is the designer and author of love. Okay, a lot of y'all know I do a lot of marriage counseling, a lot of seminars, those kind of things. One thing we teach is, is God is the designer of marriage, right? You ever thought about it? What guy would just be sitting there thinking, man, I need somebody to tell me what to do all the time. I need somebody to share with all my stuff with all the time. Didn't no guy come up with that. God come up with marriage. He is the one that come up with love. He is the originator of love, and He knows how to do it best. Amen? Hey, for years I, I read that part of the verse, but I skipped the second part of that verse. And then one day I was preaching at the Women's Center, and God said, read the second half of that verse. And it says, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. That means that if you do not have a personal relationship with God, then you cannot know true love. So if you're in a relationship right now, if you have a family member that you're in a relationship with right now who does not have a relationship with God, you cannot expect them to love you the way God wants them to love you. You can't expect it. Because it says that everyone who loves knows God and has a relationship with Him. The rest of it says, this is love, not that we love God, but that He first loved us. You know, this is not something that I always bought into growing up. 
You know, if you would have asked me, man, do you love God? Well, sure, I love God. But the concept that I love God because He first loved me, I don't know. I didn't really buy into that. I don't know why I thought that I loved God. I never sat there and, and figured it out. I, I just thought that I loved God, but I didn't know why. So I was thinking, man, why did, why did I think I loved God? Maybe I thought I loved God because my parents told me to. And that's what I was supposed to do. I don't know. Maybe I thought that I loved God because the law told me to love God. And maybe that's why I thought that I loved God. Maybe, just maybe, that I was a good old country boy, and that's what good old country boys do, right? Faith, family, and ducks or something like that. Maybe it was just suspected that that's what I was supposed to do. But when I got this revelation on the inside of me, that God created me because He wanted to love me. When I got the revelation on the inside of me that the only reason I love God is because He first loved me, right? When I got the revelation that God created this entire world because He wanted a family that He could love them and they could love Him back, man, it changed me from the inside out. Man, it changed my thinking. It started changing, man, the way I acted because the God that created everything created me because He loved me. And that God is love. The only reason I was created is because God wanted to have a relationship with me and He loved me. Man, it changed me. It wasn't fear and condemnation. It was the love of God that changed me from the inside out. And my response to that love is, man, God, if you love me that much, then I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. God, I'll say whatever you want me to say. If you want me to go to India, we're going to India. God, not my will be done but your will be done. Amen? Not because we feel like we have to, but that's our response to how much God loves us. Amen? I want you to know that this short, fat, bald dude yelling at you tonight is a man that God loves. A man that God loves. God loves me. I am that man. I am the man that God loves. And it's changed me. Amen? Do you know who else had this revelation? There's a guy in the Bible that wrote a lot of the Bible that, uh, that had the same revelation. You ever read John and his teachings there? You know, you'll be reading John, and I think it was seven different times. You're reading John, and he's like, you know, he's announcing who's in the room, you know. And he's like, well, you know, Andrew's in the room, and Philip's in the room, and Peter's in the room, you know, here. But, and the one that God loves. You ever notice that? Where John writes, and the one that God loves, he was there. Even making it to the tomb, he let everybody know that the man that God loves won the race. That he got there first, right? Go back and read it. 
Look at it. He says, and the one that God loves. He was talking about himself. He was referring to himself. It wasn't because he thought that God loved him more than he loved somebody else. It was because he had received the revelation that he was a man that God loves. Amen? It's kind of like this. I'd like to introduce you to my friend Matt Clark, who sang praise and worship today. Pretty awesome, right? It's really good. One of my mentors, Brother Bonner, is in the crowd tonight. It's pretty good. One of our pastors, Pastor Brian, you know, playing acoustic tonight. I'm glad you met all of them. Now it's time to meet the one that God loves. That's me. Amen? It's the revelation that God loves me so very much. And guess what? He cannot be more proud of me than He is right now. Amen? He's not mad at me. He's not angry at me. He's not even a little disappointed in me. And guess what? He's not in you either. Amen? Amen? God loves you. You are His brothers. You are His, I mean, your sons and daughters in whom He is well pleased. And He loves you so much. And if you're a child of God, and if you've been following Jesus, man, I want you to know that He cannot love you any more than He loves you right now. You can't do anything to make Him love you hard. You you can't pray harder and do this and do that to make God love you more. He loves you as much as He can right now. Amen? Doesn't that put a little pep in your step, knowing that the one that created everything loves you and that he's pleased with you and that he's not mad at you? Don't that make you want to stick your chest out a little bit and say, man, I'm the one that God loves, amen? Because you got that revelation. And it's not that he loves you anymore, but it's that you got it. That you know, that you know, that you know that no matter what devil in hell tries to tell you who you used to be, you know what God says about you. You know that you're His. You know that you're holy. You know that you're blameless. You know that you're not that old man. But you're this new creature, man. It'll change you. Man, it'll, man, it will change how you act every day. And people will be drawn to you, man. They'll be drawn to that God inside of you. Amen? They'll want what you have. When you quit looking at the negative and start looking at the positive, when you know who you are in Christ, when you know that you're not that old filthy rotten sinner anymore, but you're in the righteousness of Christ, walking with Him from glory to glory to glory. People want to be around you, right? They want some of your fruit. They want to be around people where the glory is shining out. And I'm going to go ahead and tell y'all, we ain't going to have to water these poinsettias tonight. I think I'm spitting on them enough. But uh, it's a good thing I'm up here tonight. We'll edit that out of the CD. But man, I want to tell you tonight and go a little deeper into how much God loves you. Amen? And show you God's love tonight. You know, God created this entire world, like I said, because He wanted a family that He could love them and they could love Him back. How many do you know people say, well, why did God give us free will? Because love without a choice isn't love at all. It has to be a choice, right? 
God wanted a people that could make a choice to love Him where He would show His love and in return they would love Him back. You know, so God created this whole world. And man, it was good. You know, we read in Genesis, at the end of every day, God created something and He would look at His creation and He would say what? It is good, right? And every day at the end of creation, God would look at it and He would say, it is good. But now at the end of creation, He looked at it and He said something different, right? He said, it's very good. You know, I got a little revelation on that is that individually, God's creation is good. But it, when it's all together, in one mind, in one accord, and working together, then it's very good. Amen? Amen? I want you to know that there's a lot of very good. Amen? You know, as so God looked at everything He created, and it's very good, you know. And as we travel, and as we go around the world and stuff, you know, we still, thank you, my brother, we still see a lot of very good, Right? We travel, man, we see God's people, we see all kinds of people and things that God created, and we still see a lot of very good. But if we're honest tonight, and if we think about it tonight, we also see a lot that's not good. Amen? We see poverty, we see addiction, we see wars, we see rumors of wars, we see different things in this world that is not very good. So something happened from when God said that it is very good to the world that we see today. And we know the story. It's called the fall of man, right? Sin came in through disobedience. And with sin came the fall of man. Man, why do they call it the fall of man? Well, if you read it in one page... After sin came into the world, Cain kills, kills Abel, right? The worst thing you can do, the first family does right off the bat. I mean, two pages later, God is saying, Man, I'm sad that I even created this world because the inclination of man is on evil all the time. So when sin came into the world, it had a major impact right off the bat, right? And we call it, the fall of man. Well, I want to propose this to you tonight. And this is in your notes, this message, The Precious Blood. But I want us to think about it like this tonight. That when sin entered into the world through disobedience, three things happened, okay? And we're going to focus on these three things for just a short period of time tonight. The first thing that happened when sin came into the world was there is now a barrier between holy God and sinful man. Man and God are now separated, right? Separation in the Bible is, is what? What do y'all learn? Death, right? So now death come, has come into the world. Sinful man cannot hang out with holy God. There is now a barrier between man and God. The second thing that happened is, now man has an awakened guilty conscience that says, I am a sinner. I must have shame. 
I must feel condemned. Think about it. Adam and Eve's in the garden. They're hanging out with God. They're with God every day. Sin comes into the world. Adam and Eve's over here behind the bush. God comes in. He says, Adam, where are you at? Eve, where are you at? And they come from behind the bush. And they said, well, we hid behind the bush because we were naked. And the greatest line in the Bible, as far as I'm concerned, God says, who told you you were naked? See, they'd been naked all along, but they never knew it. Never had a clue, just walking around naked all the time. But as soon as sin came into the world, what happened? Now they got shame. Now they got condemnation. Now they're hiding from God behind a bush. See, the effects of them eating something they wasn't supposed to eat wasn't a stomachache. It was shame and regret and condemnation. So the second thing that happened is man's awakened guilty conscience. The third thing that happened is the one that deceived them anyhow into eating the fruit now turns into the accuser and says, you are a filthy, rotten sinner because you have sinned. So now there's three issues that came with sin. Number one is God. There's now a barrier between man and between God. The second thing is man's awakened guilty conscience that says, I'm a sinner, right? And the third thing is now Satan has the right to accuse you and tell you who you are, right? So something had to be done. God had to do something about these three issues of sin. And to tell you the end of the story, the end of the message is, God chose one thing to take care of all of it. And that was the precious blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God had to do something about it. And so He took care of all of the issues with one thing. And that's the blood of Jesus. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. We're going to look at the value that God puts on the blood. In order for us to understand it, we have to understand the value that God puts on the blood. See, we had to have forgiveness of sins. The penalty for sin is death. And so we had to have forgiveness of sins, and that is done through the blood of Jesus. But we have to understand God's value of the blood. Amen? Let's turn in our Bibles to Exodus chapter 12. And we're going to read here together. In Exodus chapter 12. So here's what's happening in this part of the Bible. What's happening is, is they're having Passover, okay? So once a year, everyone would go to Jerusalem. They would get together there, and they would have Passover. So they would bring their spotless lamb. They would have the priests look at it. And if the priests thought it was good enough, then they would let them take it. If not, the priests might sell them another one. 
that uh, supposedly was better than theirs. But anyhow, they'd take, carry their lamb, and this is what would happen, and they'd do this every year. And the reason why they would do this was to get forgiveness of sins for one year, right? So each year they would come back. So God is showing them exactly how to do this. And in Exodus chapter 12, let's look at um, verse 7 together. It says, Then they are to take some of the blood, so they would take the blood of the flesh, and they would put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the house where they would eat the lamb. That night they were to eat the meat roasted over the fire along with the bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. And then God starts giving them details. Do not eat the meat raw or cooked in water, but roasted over the fire. Do not leave any till in the morning. If you do, you have to burn it. This is how you're to eat it with your cloak tucked in your belt, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. How many of you are glad that God is a God of details? Amen. He'll tell you exactly what to do if you'll just listen to Him. Amen. His word is so clear. And in verse 12 it says, On that same night I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals. And I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Now let's think about this. Where were the people at? They were in the house, right? They were in the house with the flesh. Where was the blood at? That's right. It's on the lentils and the doorpost outside. So the people inside the house couldn't see the blood. The blood was on the outside, on the lentils and the doorpost. Why? Because the blood was for God. And God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And nothing bad will happen to you because I see the blood. Amen? First Peter says, It was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed, but with the precious blood of Jesus. Amen? God Himself chose the blood of Jesus. God Himself said that the precious blood of His Son, Jesus, was good enough. He is the one that said that it was payment for sins. And if God Himself said that the blood was good enough for Him, we can be confident that our debt has been paid. Amen? I'll tell you what, we're going to take a break for just a second. And I'm going to introduce you to somebody. Josh, why don't you come up real quick? Y'all know my friend Josh here? Y'all clap for Josh. <laughs> Amen. All right, so for those of y'all that don't know my friend Josh, y'all hey. say hey to Josh. Hey. Amen. Josh, like a lot of people in this room, used to be a drug addict. Josh, a lot of people around here kind of used to do his own thing, right? But something happened a while back. Josh gave his life to the Lord and was saved. Amen? Amen? 
That's pretty cool, right? That's right. But I got a couple questions for Josh. Is that all right? Josh, how old are you? I'm 39 years old. 39 years old. And uh, you trust in the Lord with your, uh, with your life, amen? With my family's life and mine. Amen. Amen. That's pretty awesome. Amen. When did you make this decision? October 25th this year. So about five or six weeks ago, amen? Now, how old did you say you were? I'm 39. I'll turn 40 while I'm here. Amen. That's, that's good. He stay until he turns 40. That's a good thing. Amen. Amen. He's 39 years old. So I got a question. You gave your life to the Lord like five weeks ago, right? Yes, sir. Okay. So here's what inquiring minds want to know. Before you gave your life to the Lord, were you living a life holy and pleasing to God? I was not. Really? Hmm. Well, before you gave your life to the Lord, were you leading people to Christ? No, sir. Hmm. Hmm. All right. Before you gave your life to the Lord, would you dare say that you were probably leading people away from God. That is correct. Mm hmm. Hmm. Leave him over there for just a second. <laughs> Whatever. All right. See, me and Josh are about the same age. During these 39 years, He's been doing whatever he wants to do. Blowing and going, doing dope, don't care about nobody, doing all those things. Right? That's what he said. But during that same time, man, I've been teaching, I've been preaching, I've went over 50 mission trips, helped lead thousands of people to the Lord. Man, I got the best wife that God ever made, raising up these awesome children. Man, every single day I have died to self to become alive in Christ. Not my will be done, but God's will be done. Not nothing for me, but all for God. But at that same time, this dude has been living for himself. Just doing whatever self wants all the time. But see, here's the deal. He now gave his life to the Lord. He now has a new spirit on the inside of him. Amen? That old spirit is now gone. The new man is here. There it is. 100% new. So here's the deal. When God, who created everything, looks down on Josh, when God, who created everything, looks down on me, and be honest with you, he doesn't see five weeks and 22 years. He sees the blood of Jesus. Amen. 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 God chose the blood of Jesus. And if it's good enough for God, then it's got to be good enough for us. See, the second part of it, we know now that the blood is good enough for God. But see, now we got to, man, we got to clean up this guilty conscience 
that we got all the time. Because see, here's what's happening here is this. God says, I make a new covenant with you. I will write my law on your hearts. It says that I will remember your sins no more. That's what God says. So God is over here saying, I remember your sins no more. And the devil is over here saying, I remember your sins all the time. Right? Now I got a question for you. If you still got this guilty conscience, worried about your sin, then whose side are you on? The one that says I remember it no more or the one that says I remember it all the time? You got to choose a side. Amen? It's like Brother Dave says, you're either in Adam or you're in Christ. There is no in-between. If God says that the blood is good enough for Him, then it's got to be good enough for us. Amen? See, in Jeremiah, it says that your heart was desperately wicked. It says your heart is deceitful. But in Ezekiel, it says a new heart I will give you. A new spirit I will put on the inside of you. Man, it's kind of like a heart transplant where God just rips open your chest. And you got this nasty, black, deceitful heart. And He just rips it out of your chest. And He throws it away. And then on the inside, He puts the heart of His Son, Jesus. A new spirit on the inside of you. Where you are new, that you're not that old man anymore. But that you are 100% new. See, the blood removed that barrier so our conscience can be cleansed. And look, every time we approach God by the finished work of Jesus. Amen? Hey, look, it's not about me. It's all about Jesus. Look, I know sometimes we feel weak, but looking at our weakness will never make us strong. No matter what's going on today, no matter what's happening today, our approach to God is always the same, and it's by the finished work of Jesus. Man, you are 100% righteous in the Lord, 100% other time. Amen. The blood is good enough for that. So first of all, the blood is good enough for God. He's the one that chose it. Second, the blood has got to be good enough for us. Okay. Alright. If God says it's good enough, then who am I to argue with God? And then the third thing that it had to do is it had to take care of Satan. Well now here's the deal. This is the easy part. It's the shortest part of the message. Why? Because the only reason Satan had a foothold is because there was a barrier between you and God. But we said the first thing that happened is the barrier got removed, right? Well, now God is back on the side with man. And so God's hanging out with you all the time. And if God be for you, who can be against you, right? So every time the devil tries to tell you who you used to be, or the devil tries to tell you something, God just points him to the blood of Jesus. Bam. Do you forget? Bam. It's done. He points him to the blood 
Every single time. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. And can't no devil tell you who you used to be. That old man is dead. God is now back on the side with man, man. God is your daddy. Jesus is your brother. He walking with you. Don't nobody want none of you. God's on your side. God be for you. Who can be against you? Let's look at Romans chapter 8, verse 38. It says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life... Now look, now, uh, just real quick. I'm sorry. We're going to pause for just a second. If you don't want to get fired up about the promises that God has given you, don't read this passage. Because this passage will have you running through brick walls, okay? When you realize what God wants, I mean, what God's done for you and how much He loves you, man, it'll fire you up. It says that, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Man. Man, God has washed all your sin away. He has given you a new heart, a new spirit. Man, He has cleansed you. Brother Dave said last week, you are justified just as if I'd never done it. God has cleansed you from every sin. You know that word cleanse in the Bible denotes a present and continuous action, which means that from the moment you receive the blood of Jesus that it just keeps on cleansing you like a waterfall, right? Just like a waterfall, man, it's continuous that you're just being cleansed all the time. Man, you're just walking through this earth and you're just cleansed all the time, made new by the blood every day, every minute, every hour, every day, being made new by the blood. I want to tell you something else. Man, we dealt with this. Be honest with you, fellas, we dealt with this in first phase last week. There's no special sin. You know, we had we had a guy last week that thought maybe he is too far gone. Maybe he doesn't cross the line. Man, there's no special sin. Do you know how I know that you haven't went too far for God to bring you back? Because God wouldn't bring you here wasting our time if you was too far gone. Amen? Man, there's no special sin. You haven't been too far gone. Man, God just wants you to turn from your old life and turn to Him today. That's all He wants. But man, there's no special sin. You know, I, I see people come like this sometimes. And, and it's, it's kind of like this. Let's think of it like this. And I've seen people do this all the time. They come to God and they're like, well, God, man, I, I heard what that preacher said. I heard a dude spit all over me and I heard what he said. But, uh, man, he just don't know me. He don't know where I come from. He don't know 
what I've done and all this kind of stuff. Man, I may not. Don't really care. I know what Jesus did, amen? But you see people, man, it's kind of like this. Man, God, look, I'm going to tell you what I did because you may not know. So I'm going to tell you what I did. And God's like, oh, my. Man, you're right, dude. (laughs) I ain't never seen that before. (laughs) I don't know what that was. I don't know what you was on. But, man, I ain't never seen that before. So God calls Jesus. He's like, all right, Jesus. You was hanging on that cross. I sent you to pay for the sins of the world. You hanging on the cross. Did you leave that out? Jesus, man, I don't know, dude. I ain't never seen that before. I thought that I died for all of the sins. But this dude, he done done trumped it. God, I I really don't know what happened. What had happened, I'm not sure. So they call in the Holy Spirit. And they're like, Holy Spirit, have you ever seen anything like this before? And the Holy Spirit says, look, y'all, I've been hovering all over the world for all these years, and I've never seen a sin like that before. And you're like, well, I don't care that y'all had never seen it. You better do something about it. I got this sin that ain't nobody ever seen before because I sin worse than anybody else. But it ain't my fault, God, that you hadn't seen this before. Y'all better do something about it. So God starts pulling on the sin and Jesus starts pulling on the sin and the Holy Spirit starts pulling on the sin and then all of a sudden a breaker goes out in heaven. Now that's kind of ridiculous, right? But guess what? We do it all the time. We do it all the time. You want to prove it to you? We do it all the time. And I'm not messing with nobody. Just saying. We do it all the time when we walk to this altar. And we come to God. And we say, God, please forgive me of something that I did six years ago that I've asked forgiveness for 27 different times, I'm asking you to forgive me of it one more time. We do it all the time. Come ask God to forgive something that He's already forgiven you for. Already done it. He forgave you for it before you'd ever done it. But you want to know the bad part of it? And look, I ain't telling nobody not to go to the altar. That's not what I'm saying. But when you go up there to the intentions of something that God's already took care of, then what you have to do to get there from here is to trample on the blood of Jesus all the way down there just to get to what He's already done. Man, God's already taken care of it. Jesus paid the ultimate price and He took care of all of it. Past, present, future, big sins, little sins, sins that you think didn't nobody know about, sins that you thought were unforgivable, Jesus took care of all of it. Man, I really don't know why people's even ever got a problem 
with past, present, and future sins. That's never really been an issue with me. Because, see, I know math. Jesus died 2,000 years ago. Well, that's before I was born. So if He couldn't die for my future sins, then He didn't die for none of them. Because He died before I was ever even born. Much less commit a sin. Hey, Jesus was the final sacrifice. He took care of it once and for all. I'll prove it to you. Let's read together. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. Let's read this together. We're going to read this passage together. I've already quoted some of these scriptures, but we'll read it together tonight. We've got time. Hebrews chapter 10, we'll start in verse 10. We like to hear them pages turning, man. That's awesome. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10. says, And by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus once and for all. That's pretty clear. We have been made holy through one sacrifice once and for all. Now it goes, and this is going to be talking about Passover. It says, Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins. It's pretty cool. But when this priest, Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, He sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, He waits for His enemies to be made His footstool. Because of one sacrifice, He has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Man, that's you. Says the Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. And then He's going to quote Jeremiah, right? So here he goes and he quotes Jeremiah. He says, This is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. Amen? Man, that's a lot. That's pretty awesome. Amen? You know, I find it kind of ironic that on the very day that they crucified our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they were having Passover in the city. You, You remember we were talking about in Exodus earlier? how they would all get together in Jerusalem. They'd all get together. And their number one goal was to get forgiveness of sins for one year. But on the very day that they were having Passover, Jesus was outside of the city, hanging on a cross in a garbage dump called Gagatha, in between two criminals. And He was the one that come to give them forgiveness of sins forever. Right? So in the city, they're having their rituals to try to get good enough for one year. But outside the city, Jesus is there to give them 
uh, to give the sacrifice forever. When Jesus screamed out, Tetelestai! He said, I've come to do what I came to do. I have finished the mission. It is complete and it will remain complete and in full effect. Jesus was the final sacrifice. We had a problem. The problem was sin. The penalty for sin is death. But the precious blood of Jesus paid for our sins once and for all. He said, this is the covenant I will make with you. And I will choose to remember your sins no more. Amen? Amen. It wasn't that he overlooks it. It wasn't. He said, I choose to remember them no more. As we get ready to close tonight, I want to make one more point to you tonight. And, um, and it's something that we mentioned in this conference in week two. But I just want to take us a little deeper and go a little deeper into this thought that my brother Matt, I guess it was week three, gave to us. And so just want to take us a little deeper. You know, we hear pastors say all the time that Jesus died for your sins. And we hear pastors say all the time, if you was the only person on earth, Jesus would have died for you. Hey, and, and both of those things are true. Amen? God loves you that much. And He did die. Jesus did die for your sin. But, but here's the revelation that I want us to get tonight. Because remember, Jesus, man, He's my everything, right? He's my hero. Man, His words, like we said, are very important. His last words, man, very important to us. But I want you to think about this. See, they had captured our Lord and Savior. Amen. And they had drug Him through town. And they'd beat him so much. So they had a cat of nine tails just grabbing his skin and pulling it off. And they made fun of him and they mocked him and they kicked him and they did all these things. And then they put this crown of thorns on his head and nailed him to the cross. Said it was so bad that you couldn't even recognize him between being a man and being a beast. That's how bad... They whooped our hero. That's how bad they mangled our Savior. But here's the revelation that I want you to get. That when Jesus was on that cross, and when they put that sponge to His lips, and when He screamed out, Tetelestai! I want you to know that Jesus didn't just die for you. But he died as you. Listen to this. The Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin. He became you at your worst. He didn't just die for you. He died as you. He became you. He became sin. He was tempted in every way, but He had never sinned, not one time. But at this time, He took your sin. He took my sin. He took it on the inside of Him. He who knew no sin became sin. He became you at your worst. Have you ever wondered why when Jesus is on the cross, why he yelled out to God and said, Oh Lord, why have you forsaken me? 
You ever thought about that? Well, the first issue is, instead of Father, He called Him Lord. Right? The second issue is, He said, why have you forsaken Me? Do you know why? Because He became sin. And what was the first effect of sin? A barrier comes between you and God. So for the first time in His life, there was a barrier between Him and His daddy. That had never happened before. Because He became sin. He became you at your worst. And there was a separation between Him and God. And He shouted out, Oh Lord, why have you forsaken me? See, it wasn't just Jesus that died on that cross. But your old man, your sin nature, it also died on that cross. Amen? Your sin nature was nailed to that cross forever. He didn't just die for you. He died as you. And that old man is gone. Now catch this in closing. The rest of that verse says that He did this so that we could become the righteousness of Christ. Jesus didn't just die for you, He died as you. And He didn't just die as you so that your sins would go away and you wouldn't have to burn in hell in the sweet by and by. No, He became you and died for you so that you could become the righteousness of Christ. So that you could be in right standing with God. So that you could stand up here and boldly proclaim that I am 100% righteous in the sight of the Lord because it's not my righteousness but it's the righteousness of Jesus he said father make them one just as me and you are one so that they may know you the way I know you we have been given the fullness of Christ I want you to walk out of this place tonight knowing that you are the man you are the woman you are the person that God loves and He can't love you any more than He loves you right now. And that He's proud of you. And that in you He is well pleased. And that you are His son. You are His daughter. And He's got a plan for your life. And it's not to barely make it to heaven. But it's to walk with Him from glory to glory to glory. To be transformed into His image. The image of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's stand up tonight.